1975, the composer Paul Curtis won the UK pre-selection, A Song for Europe, for the first time. And between 1975 and 92, he competed with 20 songs, not 22 as Wikipedia claims. What does he remember from all these years? How much did Eurovision develop during three decades? How many songs has he submitted that didn't get through? And why did he stop being United Kingdom's own Ralf Siegel? You are listening to Eurovision Legends with me, the Demo Tape Digger, Emil Lövström. Welcome to Eurovision Legends, Paul Curtis. Hello, Emil. Nice to talk to you. Lovely to have you here. You have competed in the British pre-selection of Song for Europe 20 times as a composer, of which two of these also as a singer. Yes. And I really hope your memory is with you today, because we are going to talk about things that happened over 46 years ago. Wow. (laughs) I'll do my best. But before we dive into your songs from A Song for Europe, I would like to begin with... How many songs do you think you have submitted in total? Um, I'm not sure. I, I did enter another one, uh, I think, in 93, but it didn't get in. Do you remember the song from 93? Yes, it was called Now I Dance Alone. Okay. Do you still have it? I do. Can we play it? Okay, I will send you that song when I get home. It wasn't what you said. In 1975, you took part with the song Let Me Be The One, sung by the group The Shadows, who sang all songs in this pre-selection. Was this the first time you tried out? 
Yeah, so I'd, um, I've been touring with my band for a, throughout Europe for a while. I, I left the band and I wanted to just be a writer and, and a singer. Yeah. So uh, Decca Records, uh, we were with Decca, and Decca phoned me up and said, come and see us. So I went and saw a guy called Dick Rowe, the man who turned down the Beatles and one week, and the following week he signed the Rolling Stones. Really good guy. Yeah, yeah. And he said to me, what do you want, Paul? And I said, I want to be a producer, I want to be a writer, I want to have access to all the studios and blah, 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 and I'd like to be able to sign my own artists. He said, you got it. So then I recorded my first session with a guy called Pip Williams, well-known producer and guitarist, and uh, he did the arrangements for me. I had four songs, Let Me Be The One, uh, Name It, You Got It, what else? Uh, You're Nothing But A Good Old Fashioned Heartbreaker, and the other one was Gone But Not Forgotten. They were the four songs I recorded. And uh, when I went to Decca with the, with the Masters, Dick Rowe and, and all the A&R people said, great song, let me be the one. It's not quite right, Paul. So I said, can I enter it in the Eurovision then? And they said, yeah, that's fine. And that's how it happened. Do you still have this recording that you sang? I have. I've got it on a cassette somewhere. I'll send you a copy. Woohoo! <laughs> That's the original because uh, they copied everything I did on the track. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. All the backing vocals and everything I, uh, that I did. Let me be the one who's loving you tonight. Let me be the one who really holds you tight. I'll even bring along a magic moon just to make you feel all So let me be the one who's loving you song in 1975 was chosen by the extremely fast voting system postcard and your song got the most votes yeah. but it also has to be said that uh, interest for the national pre-selection in the uk this year was lower than ever do you remember why um well it was kind of new i think you know people were interested i mean I got 17,500 votes or something. Yeah. Someone got 10,000, someone got 3,000. Yeah. So I guess it was about uh, 50,000 people wrote in, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it was relatively new then. It wasn't that, that people weren't interested. They watched it all on TV at a massive audience. Yeah. Um, that's all I can say, really. I mean, it was relatively new. Eurovision in 1975 was held in Stockholm since ABBA won the year before with Waterloo. What do you remember from Stockholm? It was terrific. Be beautiful place. I love Sweden. Um, it was great. I remember the hall. I remember the... Uh, I didn't arrive until uh, the Friday. I, I came with Bill Cotton on the plane and uh, he was head of BBC Light Entertainment at the time. So we didn't get there till Friday. I was only there two nights. So I didn't see much of it. 
Uh, a kind of opposition against Eurovision here in Sweden was brewing and later grew so strong that Sweden did not take part year after. You never noticed any of this in Stockholm? No, no. We, we had a great time. The people there were terrific. Yeah. I mean, once you're in the hall, uh, I say this to everybody who asks me, being present in the Eurovision Song Contest in the room, you can feel the passion, you know, people there love it. And... Uh, Whoever's singing, they'll applaud, uh, really applaud loudly and scream and shout and and cheer, you know, for everybody. Yeah. So, and it's a wonderful feeling to be amongst, you know, a few thousand people who are screaming and shouting and joyfully and in, really enjoying the night. The Netherlands won with Ding a Dong. Ding a Dong every hour, when you pick a flower, even when your lover is gone. United Kingdom came second and Italy yep. got a third place. Do you have any opinions about the outcome? Well, I thought it was going to win. We were we were doing well, and then I, my partner Barry said, uh, "I'm worried about the Netherlands one. It's a good song, blah blah blah. It's perfect for it. Anyway, was it? You know, we all went home. <laughs> <laughs> and several covers were made of "Let Me Be the One" in different languages. <laughs> It was a yeah. big success abroad. Yeah, it was a big hit in the UK as well. Yeah. Do you after you competed again with the young Hazel Dean singing the I song did. I Couldn't Live Without You for a Day? Yes. Well, Hazel and I were very close at that point and I I, I got her a deal at Decca and I recorded the uh, three or four songs with her in the first session. One was the ballad. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't live without you for a day, which I, I decided to enter into Eurovision, and it got in. If I should lose you now, after all that we've been through, couldn't 
win of course but uh, she was terrific I mean she's a wonderful singer a wonderful person did a great performance and since then it's been recorded by Placido Domingo okay yeah so I was really pleased with that because uh, Placido invited me to the studio to listen to the mix and I was in tears it was fantastic Brotherhood of Man won with Save All Your Kisses for Me and yes. your composition got an 8th place. Yeah. Hazel Dean instead got a great career during the 80s with Stock Aiken Waterman. And yeah. you and Hazel released a great duet together in 1981 titled You Got Me Wrong. Yes. Hazel asked me if I'd like to do a duet with her and I said sure. Van Heyman, I think it was. He wrote it and he produced it. He, he was That's right. We recorded it in his studio. In 1978, you had two songs in the pre-selection. Shall we yeah. begin with your ex-wife's song, Lonely Nights? Well, um... Was this the first song you presented for her? No, I've, I've done a few recordings with her for Pie, Pie Records. And she wanted to try and be a singer. And she wasn't very good. Uh, so I put that song in.
vocals wasn't very good. And uh, my publisher, Freddie Beanstalk, who owns all the Elvis Presley songs, he said, Paul, are you sure you want her to do this? We don't like it. Then the BBC called us in and said, are you sure you want to do this? We think it's a winner. And I said, yes, I stood by my, my ex. Yeah. Stupidly, it was a mistake. No one tried She blew it on the night. Yeah, this is a fantastic song. A great song, yeah. Did you sing the demo? No, she did. I recorded her. Lonely Nights earned a measly ninth place, but you got a better place with the Jarvis Brothers and their yeah. song One Glance. Yeah. What can you tell us about that song? Well, I've been recording them for a while and uh, they were very young. And uh, the, the youngest one, I think, was nine. Yeah. They wouldn't let him on because he was too young. But um, they were great. Uh, they were a family and uh, a bit like the Jacksons, really. Yeah. I did that song. I thought it was great for them. And uh, But it didn't win. Uh, that was, was, you know, they tried hard. They did a good good performance. And um, it was just disappointing, really, I guess, you know. going to talk more about this specific sound and genre when we arrive in 1984. Don't you agree? Uh, similar, yeah. I guess. Yeah? yeah? Yeah. In 1979, the year after, you participated with one song named Let It All Go with yes. Sal Davis. Yes. And you had a minor hit with him the year before, titled Back in Dubai. Yes. Why Dubai? Uh, I mean, I ask because, I mean... I guess Dubai in the 70s wasn't as hip as it is today. I mean, no. more sand and less Burj Khalifa. Yeah, well, it, I got introduced to a prince who had an office in London's West End. He lived in England and Dubai. Yeah. And he had an artist called Sal Davis, and he asked me to write a song for him. So I said, okay. So I wrote a, a couple of songs for him, and uh, and he paid me a lot of money for it. And then uh, after that, he bought some pressing machines from Decca and took them back to Dubai so he could press the records himself. And uh, it did very well out there. they paid any royalties in that country but then but uh, uh sal was terrific he was a great guy but he didn't win unfortunately it was, it was a good song like age and wine so bittersweet the seed is sown when left to grow becomes complete Let it all go. Let it all go. 
absolutely a good song. Yeah. Um, Black Lace won with the song Marianne this year, and your composition, Let It All Go, was placed in the bottom. Yeah. Well, just let me add to that. There yeah. was a strike on it in the UK that, that year, so it could not be on TV. It was played on the radio. So the voters had to listen to it on the radio, not watch it on TV. You you mean you believe that affected the outcome? Uh, no, I don't. No, people like what they like. You know, I mean, you could, when I write a song, uh, it's not too specific part of the population. I just write a song because I believe in it. And uh, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And that one didn't work, unfortunately. Black Black Lace was good, actually. Yeah, but good I song. prefer your song. Okay, thank you. Can't please everyone. That's the funny thing with music. The year in 1980, you brought the village village people sound to a song for Europe, if you ask me. The song was Love is Alive, sung yes. by Duke and the Aces. dropped out just a few weeks before Sophia or before we we were going to do the master Uh, I record no I recorded it with him and then he dropped out and so I had to step in so that's why you fronted the band that's why I had to front the band and then I I flew Ralph Siegel phoned me and I flew to to Munich to see Ralph and we did a deal on the song okay but what can you tell me more about this Uh, that's it, really. I mean, Ralph was a great guy, of course. He I, love, I love Ralph. He has been in this podcast three times and he has actually done the jingle for the show. Has he? Yeah. Well, he's got a great record company. Uh, he know, he loves music and uh, he was a great guy to be with. I went I went over there with my lawyer. We did the contract and uh, he had the song. He, he has the publishing of the song. Good guy. Yeah, absolutely. So this group was put together only for a song for Europe. Yes, yes. But for some reason, people seem to like that song. <laughs> a lot of people talk about that yeah. still in the UK, saying you know it's it's kind of legendary that song with a with all in red band and and uh, a little bit of the, uh, the village people sound. Yeah. You know, a lot of people like that song. I noticed that the band recorded one more song. Take Me Back to Rio. Was this a song composed by you too? Yes, it was. Uh, really, we were hoping to win and then use that as a follow-up. Yeah. Take me back to Rio I want to go back home They're dancing every night It's such a beautiful sight And they always smile hello Take me back to Rio I want 
but uh, if we didn't win, of course. There was a tie in 1980 for first place. It stood between Prima Donna with Love Enough for Two. If there's a place in your heart for me, there's a room in my place for you. Cause I've got love enough. Yes, I've got love enough for two. And Maggie Moon with Happy Everything. Therefore, each jury had to pick their favorite. Prima Donna, they won by eight votes to six. Bad decision, if you ask me. What do you think, think about the outcome? I'm trying to remember that. Um, when you get a tie, uh, it's difficult because so many people have voted for the one they like, but then they have to make a decision which one is the, it's going to be best for Eurovision. And it's difficult, but uh, that's the one they picked, you know. People have their own tastes. You can't change it. In 1982, you were the composer of three of the eight songs, and you chose to sing one of them yourself. How, yes. how come and why that one in particular? Um, well, I recorded a demo of that song uh, and with a band called Shack Attack. Mm-hmm. They did all the backing track for me, and I was producing it and singing it myself. And I like that song, no matter how I try. I thought, yeah, this is great. Maybe let's put it in Eurovision and see what happens, you know. That's that's how it happened, really. Dreaming, night after night, someday we'll get it right. But I've got to live each day without you, knowing it's so hard to do. No matter how I try. The other two songs were Different Worlds, Different People, sung by Loving Feeling, and the ABBA-esque How Long, sung by The Weltons. Yeah. What can you tell us about them? Well, The Weltons uh, were nothing to do with me, really. Uh, I was working with a guy called Graham Sacker, and uh, he was already recording this band, and he said, can you help me write a song for them? So he came to my house and uh, came up with this idea, because Graham doesn't know, doesn't write songs really. So I, I wrote the song, and uh, but th- their performance was miserable. It was horrible, sadly. That's why the outcome was so poor for them. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a great song. Thank you.
But you yeah. say here that Graham Sacker doesn't write songs. You have written several songs well, with him. He doesn't come up with any ideas. Okay, okay. I do. I, yeah. I do it. I, the songs I did with him, I wrote in three or four minutes, uh, five minutes, ten minutes. And uh, because he's standing in the room, he put his name to it. Oh, okay. I understand. You do? Yeah. I've talked to several composers from Eurovision in this podcast. So, yeah, I've heard these stories <laughs> many times. Yeah. <laughs> Well, different worlds, different people. I wrote with Tony Hiller. Yes, he wrote, uh, co-wrote uh, "Save Your Kisses for Me" and all the uh, yeah, several songs for Brotherhood of Man. Brotherhood of Man, yeah. Yeah. Well, we wrote a song for um, well, several people. We had a call from Richard Carpenter for we'd sent a song for Karen Carpenter, but unfortunately she died uh, a few weeks later. Okay. Uh, Richard Carpenter was excited about the song. So that was never released. No. Uh, it was never done. Same with my Elvis. I, I had a so two songs recorded by Elvis, but he died a week later. The reason he did them is because when Elvis picked a song, he trusted Freddie Beanstalk, who owned Carlin Music. Yeah. And uh, he had a deal with Colonel Parker. And uh, the guy, Paul Rich from Carlin Music, turned up with 20 cassettes for Elvis. And Elvis would close his eyes and say, I'll do that one, that one, that one, that one, that one, that one. And that would be his next album without hearing them, knowing that they'd all be good. Two of them were mine, but he died. So he never recorded them? He did record them, but uh, they were never, uh, well, they'd been put away. I don't know whether there was swearing on there or they weren't quite finished or whatever. But I got, at that point, I got a telegram from America saying, Elvis Presley has just recorded two of your songs. I cannot tell you how wonderful that felt. But you never got to hear it? No, okay. no. Uh, the, the only pleasure I can take out of that is the fact that Elvis had to sit down and listen to me singing my songs yeah, yeah. to learn them. That really made me happy. It's a good story, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm nearly shivering. That's a killer. That was a killer. Absolute killer. We go back to A Song for Europe and A Loving Feeling was fronted by the cute guy Bobby McVeigh, who later represented UK the year after yes. as a part of the group Sweet Dreams. Yes, Bobby was a great kid, really nice guy. I mean, he worked very hard, and they were great. We put that song together. What was it called again? Different Worlds, Different People. Yeah, Different Worlds, Different It was a good song. Different worlds, different people, but together we are one. Different hearts from different places, you and I have just begun. good song it's a great song and let's listen to the demo that you sang with One Step Further, one in 1982. Do you remember the placing of your three songs? No, I don't. Not now. Sorry. I know them. Yeah. Okay. Your song, No Matter How I Try, that you sang, 
yeah. was placed tied as a fourth with uh, Love Feeling. Okay. And the Welton's came seventh. Yeah. A funny fact is that one of the songs from this pre-selection three years later ended up in the American movie Girls Just Want to Have Fun with Sarah Jessica Parker in the lead role. And the song was Dancing in Heaven with Q-Feel placed six. Do you yeah. remember that one? Yeah, fantastic. know where a song can then end up exactly you don't the year after in 1983 you and tony hiller competed with the band mirror yeah and the song was we've got all the all time, the time in, the world. in the world yeah and you earned a second place with it yeah it, the song was pretty good actually it was just one tony and i sat down and wrote one day and we went and recorded it we found three singers put it together and the singers were dave lusher and tina and sharon anicott Yes. Tell us about Mirror and the song. Was it written for them in in the first place? I think we had a girly kind of sound in mind when we wrote that song. And I said to Tony, I think we should modernise it, make it a lot of synthesizers and different, you know, some different sounds. So we put it all together in the studio and he was delighted. I did the production and uh, the kids were great. They just sang it, but uh, they weren't great singers, the girls, but they, they did a good job on the night. Yeah. Uh, you and Tony Hiller gave them one more song. It was titled Think of Me. It was titled what? Think of Me. Don't remember that. Well, then you can't say if it was submitted to a song for Europe either. <laughs> no. No, I don't remember that one. It was the B side of the single. Oh, was it? Okay. was a good year for you out of the eight competing songs you had composed four of them and yes. one of your songs would later win the contest uh, let's put a pin in the winning song for now and get to know the other three first okay 
We begin with the song you got the lowest placing with. It was Let It Shine, sung by... Miriam and Leslie, yes. Yeah. And the song was a cute ballad you had composed yourself? Yes. I remember Stuart Morris, the director of the Song for Europe at that year, saying to me, this is one of the best songs you've ever written, Paul. It was a nice ballad. It, it, it had several meanings, depending on which way you look at it. Um, but she, she did a good job, and she was, she was an actress, actually, and a very, very nice lady. Uh, I mean, I took her to lunch a few times while we were recording, and everyone in the, room, in, in, in the restaurant turned around and looked at her. You know, she was beautiful. Yeah. She, she worked hard. She did a good job. Just didn't win, that was all. And we had the song Imagination with Sunita. Yes, t- Tony Hiller found Sunita and, and said, we, we, let's try and write a song for her, so need a dance track. So we put that song together, uh, Imagination, for it. nice nice girl and uh worked hard on recording blah 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 again it didn't win it's a shame she was lovely she went on to great things though yeah and we must correct wikipedia here saying that it placed third but it was actually placed fourth one yes. point less than the third one and yes. sunita later also had a pop career with stock aiken waterman and released correct. several hits during the 80s yes at number two came the group First Division with the song yes. Where the Action Is. Yes. And I know that this is a big fan favorite still today. Yeah, I wrote that. I think it took me about half an hour, that one. Okay. Um, uh, it was a very up, upbeat song. Um, we put the band together, and I knew most of them anyway. Uh, David Ian I've been working with be- long before that and with a few songs um, i put the band together and uh we, we just went and recorded it and uh i thought it was great perfect for eurovision uh taylor made really they did a good job on stage we got the choreographer in and uh, they worked hard every day with good heart you know and they went on and did their best i've been watching you you 
anyone else try this song? No. So they sang the demo too? No, we did the backing track. I put my voice on it so they could all learn it. And then I taught them all the harmonies and stuff. I put it all together after that. song in 1984 was titled Love Games. Yeah. And with the quite edgy Kit Rolf in the front. Yes. She's lovely. <laughs> I've known her many years. She's worked with me many, many times in the studio. A lot of my songs. She was a guest in this podcast last year, so I must say I love her too. Yes. What can you tell us about Love Games? Well, we were, Graham Sacker and I were in the in Pi Studios recording to, uh, Tony Christie. And um, a song with one of the songs I wrote with Tony Christie, with Tony Hiller. And um, we took a lunch break to go to the pub. And on the way there, I said to Graham, you go on ahead, I've got, a, I've got a, a, an idea for a song. He said, no, no, I'll stay with you. And I thought, oh, here we go again. Anyway, I wrote the song in five minutes, to be honest with you. And Graham said to me, have you got it? <laughs> <laughs> I said, of course I've got it. Uh, and that was it, you know, he put his name on it. You can almost think that this song has the same composer as One Glance with the Jarvis Brothers from 1978. How similar do you think yourself they are? Um, I hadn't thought that, to be honest with you. Because um, today I I listened to all of your songs from A Song for Europe on repeat. Um, one glance came directly after Love Games. Okay. And I first thought, didn't I just hear this song? I see where you're coming from, but I don't think so. No, I, no it doesn't ring a bell for me that. No? It's, they're, they're both different. Yeah. Love Games was, um, I wrote Kit Rolf and we put two girls with them. Uh, we had two different girls initially because we'd re- recorded two or three songs before that and Be- released a couple of tra- a couple of records before Love Games. Exactly, yeah. By which time we'd had new girls. Yes. So um, I put the harmonies together, blah, blah, blah. we got a choreo- choreographer in, uh, Chrissy Wickham, and um, I got them a manager who then put a, a whole package together with the clothing I had nothing to do with that. Uh, Kit, of course, can sing anything. I mean, she'll never sing out of tune, ever. And shes I love her to death. I really do. And she knows that. Um, we recorded the song and then with the girls as well and uh, put it in Euro. 
And the songs you are referring to from before is Where Did Love Go Wrong and Got To Let You Know. Yes. Yeah. They're the ones. Yeah. Yes. That was the beginning of it. Uh, and then uh, we the contract ran out with that record company. So I took the Love Games to CBS, a guy called Muff Winwood, yeah. Stevie Winwood's brother. And uh, he was head of A&R at CBS. Uh, I played him all four songs. He picked that one. He said, we'll take that one. So we did a deal. According to the book, The Eurovision Song Contest, The Official History by John Kennedy O'Connor, the actions of English football hooligans in the tiny state of Luxembourg the previous year caused something of a backlash against the British delegation and he wrote that Bell and the Devotions were booed by some of the audience. Was this something you noticed? Yes, they were sitting right next to me. I was sitting with Graham Sacker, we were quite a way back and behind me was James Moyer who was head of the BBC television. And there were two young kids sitting next to me. They'd been quiet all the way through it. And then when our song came on uh, and finished, they booed. And I I slapped one of them and I said, shut up. Uh, And I was going to take them outside. But James Moore looked at me and shook his head. He said, "Don't, don't make a scene. So we left it at that. And they were quiet after that and never moved. They just left. He also wrote that it emerged during rehearsals that a backing trio hidden off camera were doing the majority of the backing singing, while the microphones of the devotions were not even switched on. False or true? Absolutely false. Yeah. The girls were singing live. You know, Kit was singing live. She's a fantastic singer. Yeah. The other girls were singing live too. The others were just backup backup singers. Yeah, where they double up on the harmonies, really. That's all. Do you have any lovely memories from Luxembourg? Luxembourg. What happened there? I've got some photographs of Kit on a railway station or and in a bar with the girls drinking. Um, hotel was terrific. It was beautiful. Luxembourg is beautiful. Beautiful place. I when I go to Eurovision, I go I go to the hall every day. I listen to all the artists because I'm a, a fan. And I, I, I'm passionate about it. Yeah. So I, I just like to enjoy the ambiance uh, of each artist. And, uh, you know, as the time, as the show goes through, uh, I'll, I'll have picked my personal favourites or whatever, you know. So I spent most of the week in, in the hall. Which way? I, I, I like to be around it because uh, that's what I go there for. That's yeah. why I, went, I was there. I, did, I didn't go there to go sightseeing. I went there to be in the Eurovision Song Contest and spend every minute I could enjoying the ambiance, you know. Which were your favourites from 1984 besides your own song? I can't remember now. Emil, I'm sorry. Sweden won with the song Digilu Digilade. Ireland with Linda Martin got a second place. And Spain got a third place.
I know Linda. I knew Linda for many years. Uh, um, great singer. She went on to win it, didn't she, eventually? Yes, in 92. Yeah. In Sweden. Uh, very lovely lady, great singer, and the song was terrific. Um, I don't... Diggy Lou, Diggy Lay uh, is very Eurovision. It's tailor-made, isn't it? It's perfect for it. Yeah, you remember it from the first time you hear it. Yeah, yeah. That's the idea, isn't it? Yeah. You've only got three minutes. Yeah. Uh, the United Kingdom earned a seventh place. Were you disappointed? Actually, it was uh, six. It was six. Yeah, I was disappointed. Um, I thought they did a great job. I thought the song was good. Um, it was a hit hit song. And um, then we did a follow-up. I wrote another one called uh, All The Way Up. But uh, CBS let it, let it go. Well, however, that didn't stop you and Graham Sacker from competing in a song for Europe because you were back the year after with two songs. Yeah. Shall we begin with the best one? Go on then. <laughs> well, if it's up to me to decide, I would like to say that I agree with the juries and pick Dancing in the Night. Okay. The song was sung by Carrie Wells. Yes. Was she the only artist who tried the song? Yes. Yeah, it's, 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 it's okay. It's a good song. The other song was Let Me Love You One More Time with Annabelle. Yeah, it was a kind of a country pop song, really. Uh, the young girl was was okay, but she wasn't experienced very much, really. She did a reasonable job, but uh, it was kind of an unusual ballad, uh, so I thought we should put it in. And it's got a fifth place. Yeah. So let me love you one more time. Let me love the way with you again. Maybe we will find the roads to love. Too hard to find the way. So let me love you one more time. Try to find the key. Vicky won with the song Love Is. Opinions about the outcome? I think they picked the best song. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, she later earned a, four, a fourth place in Sweden. Yeah, I mean, she, she, I think they picked the best song in South Europe. I think that was the best one. Uh, I have to be fair and say that was a great song. 
deserve to win, you know. Yeah. In 1986, you and Graham Saka came close again. And a new group was Jump, with yeah. an old band member from the former band First Division, David, David Ian. Ian. Yeah. yeah. And the song was titled Don't Hang Up on Love. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote that in about 15 minutes, that one. Uh, it, it was catchy, that song. Yeah. It was very catchy, and they worked very hard on it. And uh, I remember one of the guys, he had a bad tooth, so we, had, we sent him to the dentist and gave him a new tooth. <laughs> <laughs> really, yeah, it's true that. Um, but they worked hard on that, that song, and they, they did a good job on it. Was- Didn't win. Was this band also formed only for a song for Europe? Yes, with the vision that if it wins, we can go on from there and do an album and more singles, you know. But uh, it's all a bit of chance, really. It depends on the voters and performance, the same as the Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, there can only be one winner. Yeah, it got a second place and Ryder with the song Runner in the Night won with eight points more than your composition. Yeah. Uh, do you have any specific memories from this pre-selection? Uh, not really, Emil. Uh, it's, I think I was pleased with their performance. Wasn't sure about the winning song, to be honest. But uh, it won, so who am I to say, you know? From competing almost every year since 1975, you stopped between 1987 to 89. Yeah. Did you get tired of A Song for Europe, or did A Song for Europe get tired of you? Uh, no, not really. Um, I parted from Graham Sacker. Yeah. And uh, Can I ask you why? I'd had enough. Okay. I'd had enough. I, I, I thought I can do better on my own. Yeah. So... Uh, Um, I think, if I remember rightly, I had an idea for a musical, which I toyed with for a year, maybe 18 months, uh, before I started thinking about Eurovision again. And I put that down, I came back to it later on in about 1894, I think I did. I started writing it again, and I finished it then. Uh, So, yeah, it was just, uh, there was no particular reason. I I just didn't write it write anything so you didn't submit anything no 
Not that I remember. In 1990, you were back in the game with the song Give a Little Love Back to the World with the singer yes. Emma. You really like long titles of your songs, don't you? I must I must go back. Well, I must go back. Let me think. Yes, okay, now we can go on. Um, I sat down and wrote Give a Little Love Back to the World and I needed a singer. I didn't have a singer. So I... How did you come in contact with Emma? The bass player in my band, who left many years prior to that, and went off and had a band for, uh, him, himself for a little while, and then he started his own business in the motor trade. But that was his daughter. Oh, okay. he was He was divorced, but that was his daughter. And um, he said to me, why don't you try it with Emma? Uh, so I, I went down to see Emma, played her the demo. can't remember who did the demo. Uh, can't remember who did the demo but I played it to her and she said I can do that yes blah 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 blah. so it, I took her in the studio and tried her out and um, she was fine and she worked hard I said okay let's do the master so we did the master the song and then I, I I got I asked Miriam Stockley if she would uh, come and help with the BVs and then I, I found the other people to join because I wanted it to look like uh, an international group Emma was only 15 but I wanted to surround her with people black white different nationalities you know uh, because of give a little love back to the world so uh, That was it, really. And, and then we went in the studio. I, I asked Miriam to do that high note uh, in the second and third chorus. And we mixed it. And uh, my friend Tony Calder and Bill Kimble, uh, Kimber picked up the song for their, their label. And off we went. And uh, it won. Yeah, it won a gigantic victory with a public phone vote. It, it did. It did. 94,000 votes. Yeah. And you got to honor to represent the United Kingdom for the third time. Yes. And this time the trip went to Yugoslavia, which two years later would cease to exist as a country. Correct. Was this something that we that was noticed in the country? I mean, was there some kind of a strange atmosphere? Very much so. Um, the lady who was looking after us in Croatia. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, I took her out uh, for dinner uh, after the show. Uh, for some drinks and stuff and she was really lovely and I went back to see her <laughs> a year later yeah. the following summer and then I went back again for Christmas yeah now at that point she was saying to me there's going to be a war I said really there's no wars in Europe she said yes there are snipers on the roof and everyone's afraid and they were Uh, so we were, she took me into cafes and uh, where men were talking to each other about war, you know. And I thought, wow, 
And anyway, when I went home, the war started uh, just after that. What happened to her? Uh, she, I think she went to uh, Washington. Yeah, she spoke about four languages. She was beautiful. I think she went to America. She was a very special lady, actually, very special. I mean, I did fall for her a little bit. That's why I went back a few times. She was lovely, absolutely lovely. There were a lot of problems in Yugoslavia this week. I will not list them all here, but let's say the Spanish artists went on stage, the music started and they left. The hosts quit because they were offended by the press, but then they came back after some misunderstanding how old they were. And during the voting, the host country didn't get in contact with themselves, and Italy presented themselves as Spain, and suspiciously ignored to vote for the countries who were in the top. A former protest was filled to the EBU about this later. So, what was your week in Zagreb like? I, my week in Zagreb was fantastic. Yeah. I loved, I loved the, uh, I loved Croatia. It was really beautiful. I went out and saw the whole city, and uh, the hall was was spectacular. And the lady who was commenting, she was really, really nice. I can't remember her name now. She passed away apparently last year. You mean the host? Yeah. Yeah. She was beautiful. What a superb lady she was. And uh, the hall was was terrific, of course. The sound was good. Emma's performance was absolutely perfect. 15 years old, I was so proud of her. I really yeah. was. She did a great job. The the host's name was Helga Vlahovic. That's her. Yeah. She was lovely. Very, very nice lady. She passed away in 2012. Oh, was it that? Yeah, okay. It was an honor to meet her. And she was the spokesperson for, I believe, Croatia in Eurovision. Yes. During the 90s. Yes, she spoke English well. Yeah. Yeah, she's a very, very clever lady. Tutu Cotunio won for the Spanish country Italy and went straight into the audience to perform his winning song with all the photographers chasing after him. Yes. Total chaos erupted as the press stepped on everyone sitting in the hall to get a glimpse of the Italian diva and the poor camera team did its best to broadcast this mess. Uh, do you remember this? I do. It's typically Italian, isn't it? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Over the top. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, but I, I, I think they were just joy, full of joy of winning. They're passionate people, Italian. France and Ireland tied second and UK with your song ended in a sixth place. Yeah. Do you have any, any opinions about the outcome? Not really. I, I, I thought this, my song had a good chance to win. I yeah. think it, it really, Terry Wogan said it, he would bet against it winning. He thought it was a great song. And uh, I, I thought it would do well, you know, very well. But uh, that wasn't to be, unfortunately, you know. Can't win them all. No, you can't. But a sixth place is good. Yeah, I thought it was fifth, actually. 
<laughs> no, it wasn't. And Bella Devotions came seventh, I promise. It was okay. tied. It was two songs that came fifth in okay. 1984. Okay. Let's stop here and agree that I'm right and end this first episode of two with a demo Paul found after we recorded this interview. You are going to hear Keith Rolf, the edgy lead singer from Bell and the Devotions, sing the song I'm Gonna Be The One, submitted to A Song For Europe in 1985. And by the way, the second episode is already out.